Hey friends, Pastor Marco here. First of all, thank you for listening to the weekly podcast. I want to um, encourage you to do something. If you listen to us from a different state or a different country and you love the church and you want to be more connected to it, we are now opening it up for people to host new life communities from where they are. And if you're interested in being one of those people that can uh, host a watch party of our services where you can invite your friends, your loved ones, your co-workers, your neighbors or whatnot to come and be a part of it, uh, email us at info at newlifesouthcoast.com because we want to be able to have pockets of new life communities all over the nation and all over the world. So if you're interested, get back to us. Uh, we would love to connect with you. Also, if you're closer and you can be in the physical building, our services now are at 915 and 11 a.m at our New Bedford location and 11 a.m. at our Forever location. The best way to stay connected is by downloading our church app. Go to the browser um, and just type in New Life South Coast and our app will pop up on Apple or whatever else that you use for you to stay connected. I pray that today's message as usual will encourage you, challenge you, and, and bless your walk with the Lord. I want to share a word with you today about you know, what we need to be doing in this, in this season that we find ourselves in. And I'm, I'm going to read a verse that I consider to be one of my life verses. You know, when you've been walking with the Lord for some time, you have certain scripture that becomes like your life scriptures, right? All of us have those scriptures that kind of resonates with you and stays with you and drives you and, in, and empowers you and strengthens you on your journey. You know, I was saved 22 years ago on Memorial Day weekend, I was 20 years old, and I had this conviction that if Jesus is real, I need to know everything I can about him because I'm not gonna bank my eternity on something that I don't know. And I didn't wanna just get it from secondhand account. I didn't, in other words, I didn't want just other people to tell me about it. I wanted to know for myself. And so I made a decision to read my Bible every day. I would read three chapters every single day. I read the, the New Testament in a couple, couple of months and then went into the Old Testament and read the Old Testament. And I'm going through it again. I'm going through the Bible all over again. I'm in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And I'm in, um, in James in the New Testament and Psalms in between. But anyways, my, my, my point is this. There are certain scriptures that just kind of stays with you, resonates with you. And I have three scriptures they have kind of become my life verses. The first scripture I ever memorized is in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. you know? And that's been one of those scriptures that I go back to often. You know, that if I seek God and his will and his righteousness, God takes care of everything else. The second scripture that has been shaping me um, since I was in my 20s is Romans chapter 12, verses one and two, which I feel is so critical right now. You know, Paul said this in, in, in a Roman time, right? Secular time, Paul says, he said, I beseech you therefore brothers in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. He said, be holy and pleasing to God. That's your reasonable act of worship. He said, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by renewal of your mind that you may test and approve what is God's pleasant, perfect and good will. And more than ever, I feel like that scripture has really become, again, that anthem in my soul to say, we, we are not called to conform, we're called to transform, right? And then the third scripture is the one that I want to share with you this morning um, out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And this is Paul training Timothy how to be a man of God, how to lead, 
well, how to have integrity, how to have character, how to have faith. And he says this to him, and I say, I believe this is a really uh, important word for us this morning in this time that we're in. He says this, study and do your best to present yourself to God approved, a workman tested by trial who has no reason to be ashamed, accurately handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. I love this verse. It's, it's my third favorite verse in the entire Bible. And the version that I memorize says, be diligent. It says, be diligent. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, but they rightly divides the word of truth. And if you're taking notes today, the word diligence, it's such a critical word for where we are right now in our society. Diligence means to be careful and persistent in your work or in your efforts. So be careful and be persistent in your work or in the efforts that you're putting forward. You know, it's one of those things that I like to tell young people, man, all of you want to do great things in life and sometimes you get ahead of yourself. Why? Because you're not persistent, right? If you want to really accomplish things in life, the, the, the most important word that you need is the word consistency. It's those who are consistent over time that will see the results they want to see, right? Because anyone could start something, but, it, but can you stay consistent? Can you stay devoted? Can you stay committed? Even when you're not seeing the results, can you still show up? Can you still put in the work to see what you believe you're going to see? That's what the word diligence means. It also means to be proactive, right? Because a lot of times in our society, we are reactive. Like we're always reacting to something as opposed to being proactive about something, right? And I told you guys this when we went over the series of spiritual warfare, the goal was to learn to anticipate what the enemy's doing, not always to react after he has done it, right? Because life that way is, is the life that never sees progress because you're always reacting as opposed to being proactive. Are you tracking with me, right? That's what the word diligence means, to be proactive, is to anticipate, right? It's to always work in ahead of time, right? And I feel more than ever that the sense of urgency for us as God's people is to be diligent. Think about it, right? The opposite of diligence is laziness, right? The opposite of diligence is being lethargic. And worse, the opposite of diligence is to be lukewarm, right? And we know what Jesus says about that, right? Like the, 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 the Jesus that we love, the, the, the beautiful blonde hair, you know, shampooed hair Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I want to spit you out of my mouth. It's like, whoa, what happened to Jesus? You're amazing and you love me and I don't do anything wrong. You know, sometimes Jesus has some strong words for his people. To say, listen, here's the thing. If you're hot or cold, you have a purpose. But lukewarm, what is your purpose? Right? You're good for nothing when we become lukewarm. And so Jesus has a really strong word for his people. And I think I, I've seen this during this season. The beginning of the pandemic, I remember feeling like this thing in my gut. Like, uh-oh, I think we're going to be exposed. And we're going to find out that a lot of us was not really proactive about our faith. We were just reacting. And now we have nothing to show for it because we have no foundation to stand under because this, this pandemic has exposed how shallow our faith is, how quickly the enemy could sweep us away from the will of God. Are you tracking with me? And so being proactive is so critical in life because again, Romans 12 says you're called to transformation, not to confirmation. 
It's so easy to conform to fear. It's so easy to conform to the status quo. It's so easy to just go with the flow when you don't have a strong foundation in what you truly believe. And did you notice he said, don't just be diligent. He says, I want you to be a hard worker. He says, a workman tested by trial. Like we don't know who we are until we are tested by trial. Right? Like I know right now, the Lord is putting me through the ringer and he's making sure that, listen, you better come out on the other side of this thing better than before. Right? And so it's about work. Right? Paul even goes on to say, he says, work out your salvation. He says, you got to work it out with fear and trembling that God is not working you, but you have a work to do for yourself. Because, because the other thing that I see in the church, capital C church, is this like over the top emphasis on this cheap grace where Jesus covers everything and we have nothing to do. But when I read scriptures, I don't see that. I see that Jesus did the, the hardest work. And then he says, now the rest, work it out. Like I've given you the membership to my gym. Now it's up to you. Can you pick up the weights and be able to lift up the weights that I've given you? Right? And that's why the Bible has so many analogies of the, the, this, this walk being like an athlete. That's why it tells you like to, to run, to persevere, to, to, to work out. Why? Because it's work. Like this thing is work. Right? We don't work to be saved. We, we work because we are saved. Okay, and I, and I pray we understand this. Like you're not working for salvation. You're working because you are saved already. And so you want to see the fullness of God's will in your mind, in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. And part of this work, my friends, is that we're called to stimulate our brain. Remember, he says to love you with all your heart and your mind. And I think if we're going to see the fullness of God's will, especially in this season, you have to be strong mentally. I think the church needs to be emotionally intelligent right now. Like we need to be smart about our choices. We need to be smart about our decisions. We need to be smart about our words. We need to be smart about our actions. And it all starts when your mind is strong. If you have a weak mind, you're going to make weak moves. That's a really good word right now. Weak minds will make weak moves. Because when the, when the fire is, 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 is lit up, is when you find out what am I really made of. Right? And that's why I admire these guys in the book of Daniel, because it didn't just show up that day and had this resolve. No, it's how they were living all along that got them to that place to be able to stand strong in the face of persecution. So my friends, in order for us to really be God's people right now, we need to educate ourselves in the things of God. And we need to educate ourselves in the things of society. Because we're called to infiltrate society and to redeem it and to transform it and not let society conform us to their image and likeness. Right? And so, I don't know what you've been doing, but man, I am being consumed with research. I've been consumed with learning as much as I can. I, w- I, was, I was reading the Constitution yesterday. Because, think about it, if the government is going to get bigger and bigger, you better know your rights. And if you don't know your rights, you're going to be sucked in to so many things that are not God's will, my friends. Right? We're still living in a nation where we have one of the greatest democracy in the world. But that democracy is going to be threatened the more we don't know our rights. Right? Back in the 70s, the country was in this crazy turmoil. And some of you guys are young enough to remember this. But the Vietnam War was going on. 
and there was chaos everywhere. And on top of it, you had this president who was in the middle of so much corruption that in the, in, right in the beginning of his second term, he resigns from presidency because the amount of evidence was overwhelming that there was corruption in happening. And it was one of the saddest moments in the history of this nation when a president has to resign from office. And I'm talking about President Nixon, right? And come to find out, man, the conversations that was being taped in the White House, if you, if you wanna have some fun, go listen to some of his talks and you see, oh my God, this was happening in our nation and the FBI was supposed to do an investigation and then we got to find out the FBI was involved in a cover-up, which doesn't sound very familiar, does it? Yeah. You know, what's happening in yeah. 2020. But Watergate scandal became now everything related to some type of scandal, there's a gate attached to it. Remember the deflate gate? <laughs> it goes back to the Nixon time, right? But they found out that the, the, the Republicans were trying to bug, and they did, this, this, this hotel called Watergate where the Democrats was holding their offices during this, this struggle for a new election. And seven people were arrested during this time. And one of those people that I want to focus on, his name is Charles Colson, right? And go home and do some homework. And, and it's very interesting stuff. And I think it's very relevant to where we are today, right? He goes to jail for seven months because of the scandal. But just Chuck Colson has an encounter with Jesus, which happened before he went to jail. It was part of the process why he owned the things that he owned because he felt convicted, right? But he goes to jail and in jail, he has this, he felt this call of God to start what is today one of the biggest prison ministries in the world. It's called Prison Fellowship. You can, you can look it up. It started nationally, now it's worldwide, right? And his greatest legacy that he's left behind. But Chuck Colson didn't just do that. He just had this, such a transformation that he felt compelled to help people understand the power of Christianity, not as a private little thing that you do on Sunday, but as a worldview. Like he wanted people to understand, like, listen, no, this is, it permeates every area of life. And in 2000, he wrote this book that I wanna highly recommend to you, I'm reading it again right now, called How Now Shall We Live? And he actually got that title out of Book of Ezekiel when, the, when God's people were in the middle of chaos and they were lost everything, they asked that question and said, oh God, how now shall we live? And Colson writes his book to say, hey, if you're gonna fully see the will of God, you have to see that Christianity was not meant to be this little private thing that you don't decide, but it permeates society as a whole. And he said this, here's a quote from the book. He said, the church singular failure in recent decades has been the failure to see Christianity as a life system or worldview that governs every area of existence. He wrote that in 2000. And my God, that is so relevant to where we are right now. He says the church is in this dilemma, capital C church, because we have not seen Christianity as a lens through which every part of life works. Right, we've reduced it to this private thing that we do on a Sunday, 
And because we reduce it to that, then of course the enemy is taking ground in every area of life. And sometimes this is why I think God allows these moments to happen to say, what are you guys going to do? You're going to shrink back or you're going to fight back? Are you going to have some type of drive in you to say, God, enough is enough. We need to fight this good fight of faith and see your will being done again. So my friends, Christianity is a worldview, the lens through which you see and do everything in the world, not just a private religion for Sundays. More than a personal, here's the thing, this is a struggle in America, it's more than a personal salvation. That's why the Bible barely uses the word personal salvation. You don't even find it. Because the Bible was all about community. Matter of fact, the Bible was written in the Eastern mindset where it was all about us, not about I. Even God himself is a community, right? And so this book is amazing, and I highly recommend it because what he does is he unpacks Christianity is a worldview in every area of life. Because he believes, and we believe, that a biblical worldview is the only thing that can help people understand the big questions in life. Right? So the book basically is about answering these questions through the biblical worldview. Go ahead. Listen, it's, he starts with, where did I come from? Think about it, right? There's a struggle of existence happening right now in our country. People don't know that we are created. Right? And in our schools, all they teach is evolution. And so, and so here you are thinking, I'm just a bunch of clumps of cell that came together to form me. Therefore, I have no purpose. But when you look at it from a biblical standpoint, we have a purpose because we were created with a purpose. Right? And so this book is thick because he goes into every area. Like he, he tells you and teaches you how to refute evolution and how to show you that, that science plays a role, and I want to say this clearly because here's one, one of the things that we're struggling with right now is people think that, that we're against science. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah. Right? People think, oh, you guys don't care if people get sick. It's like, no, that's the furthest thing from the truth. We actually believe in science so much that we believe that it's one of the fields that God uses to reveal who he is. Now, listen, to me, science and faith, there's no tension there. It's actually together that we see the will of God. So think about this, right? From a science standpoint, right, we say we have a moral obligation to wear masks and to social distance because we want to save lives. Well, from a faith standpoint, we say we have a moral obligation to be open to save lives as well. And so it's not one or the other, it's together. But you got to have a biblical worldview to understand that, right? And, and, and why am I here? People have no purpose. And when you have no purpose, you will aim at anything. And he who aims at nothing hits it every time. And that's why we have a crisis right now of drug ep epidemic. That's why we have crisis of, of, of kids with no fathers. Why? Because these are all people trying to figure out who they are and what they can do to make sense of life. And, and where am I going? Did you know this? They say during this pandemic, one of the most Google things is people are asking, is there life after death? The pandemic has made people realize, oh my God, I'm not going to live forever. What is going to happen to me? Well, guess what? We have a worldview that says there is life after death. When you accept Jesus into your life, you have freedom of not living in fear of dying because he has overcome death. He lives on the other side of death and he gives us assurance that he doesn't just save us now, but he saves us later. And this is why so many people are, are so afraid. Why? Because they have no assurance of salvation in life after death. So does life have any meaning and purpose? Well, it does if you understand the biblical worldview that we have in Christ 
And it's a shame that we've reduced it to this, this little cute thing that we do on Sunday mornings. And no wonder the enemy is having his way in our society. Are you tracking with me? Listen, genuine Christianity reaches beyond just church services and good deeds. Those are good things. But it's about permeating a culture and bringing redemption to it. It's about bringing transformation where there's confirmation. I mean, people conforming everywhere. Right? We have a moral obligation to be open. Here's why. Anytime you find yourself in a crisis, you have to go back to your why. If you don't have a strong why then you will quickly fold. If you don't have a strong why, anyone could talk you out of something. I think the reason why so many churches are not fighting is because they don't have a strong why. I hate to say that, but I think some churches fold easily because they were open with no purpose. Kind of aimlessly just opening, see whatever happens, happens. Some churches, you can go in and out of there and they don't even care, right? And they know everybody. They're not reaching anybody new, so there's no excitement of life. But when you have a strong why and you know why you're doing the things you do, then when anything comes to challenge that why, you have to take a stand. And you have to put a, your foot down and say, enough is enough. Like, this is, this is important to me. So I'm not going to be easily persuaded. Right? Because we have done everything to answer the science question. But we also have a faith question that that society cannot answer because they don't have a perspective of what we have. So today I want to bring us back to our why because it's important. If we don't know our why, we will be all over the place, right? But we have a strong why and we have to fight for it, right? Our why is this, right? Our vision is to see the house of God established again as a landmark in the community, a church for the unchurched. I have that in my office. I see it every single day. And every decision that I try to make as a pastor, I filter through this mission. If it doesn't fit that, I'm not going to do it, right? I've seen so many people in seven years come and go. But guess what? The mission stays the same. Like, we don't budge because you don't like it. We don't budge because you don't agree with it. We don't budge because you don't see it. So, so think about this, my friends. How are we going to reach the unchurch if our doors are closed? Where this is a place where every single week, every single week, between five to seven people says yes to Jesus through this church. So we have a strong why. And for seven years, there's never been a week that someone hasn't said yes to Jesus. Next week, we're going to have another baptism with 30-something people who are going to baptize. Because why? They found Jesus. They found life. They found purpose. They found meaning. Over 500 people have been baptized since we've been open. We have a strong why. There's about 2,000 people who call themselves New Life South Coast part of the community. How is it that we're going to be open just for 100 of them? What about the rest? They need to still come in. So my friends, we have a fight in our hands. Our white is being threatened. And we need to stand up and say enough is enough. We need to fight back by the power of God and his will and his purpose. And right now, my friends, we need an army of people because this cannot be one or two people. My prayer, I was talking to our pastor about this, is that thousands of churches across the country will raise up and fight for their wife. Did you know that there are open court cases all over the country right now? All over the country. Did you see in New York the Supreme Court just blocked the restriction that they put over the churches and synagogues and said, is it unconstitutional? So believe me, the last thing I wanted to do is to get lawyers involved in a city that I love and I want to bless. 
But when you're feeling threatened and you're feeling bullied and you have to know your rights to say, wait a minute, we live in America and we have rights here and we have to fight for what is right. So my friends, I think we need a, we need a solid group of people who will be diligent, who will be proactive. Because more than ever, we have a fight in our hands. And let me tell you something. This will affect our children. What kind of America is our kids going to inherit? I've been feeling strongly about this. I said this last week. Like, your kids are going to ask you, what did you do when things got tough? Did you retreat? Did you pretend nothing was happening? Because some people are doing that. La, la, la. Like, I don't want to know. But I think we have a divine responsibility to answer the call and say, God, how now shall we live? Well, we should live by your power and by your purpose and by your will and by your mission. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church. So let me get practical here. Here's what we need to do, church. Number one, we must be diligent. All of us. And I'm talking to Christians all over the country. We must be diligent. We need to do our diligent. Due diligence in finding out, first of all, what God says and what are our rights in this thing. Right? We must, be, we must go crazy about learning. Listen, I challenge you. Look at any area in life and tell me if you don't see the mark of Christians on it. Science. Some of the best top scientists are believers, including NASA. Education. It's the Christians who have been pushing for a better education in this country from the beginning. Slavery. It was the Christians who fought. Right? There's not an area that we don't see the fingerprints of the church in it. Right? And we, we need to go back to that reality of being crazy about learning. Why? Because when you're learning, you're stimulating the brain that God created you. And you'll find your purpose in it. You'll find where you fit. Because here's my thing. Not all of us are called to be pastors, but all of us are called to be Christians. All of us are called to be full-time Christians. All of us have a specific area that God wants you to permeate. All of us have an area that God's like, I'm calling you to make a difference in that area. Whether it be education, whether it be entertainment, whether it be, um, whether it be the science, whether it be politics. Like, we need to stop giving the enemy the room to do whatever you want in these areas. Listen, let's be a thinking community. We have some of the great thinkers. Go look it up. People that you, that you look up to in any area were believers. Right? And unfortunately, our society has dumbed this thing down and secularized everything. But the hand of God's people is in every area. And we must engage the culture to transform it. To transform it. Like if you are in education, this is so important right now. Some of the stuff they're teaching our kids does not align with the biblical worldview. And we need light and salt in education. Listen, some of you, the Bible says this. Many are called, few are chosen. You know why? Because some people don't listen. I think all of us have a calling in whatever area you have a passion for. And usually you'll know God's calling when you have a passion for something. Right? But even in politics, for example, right now, I think we've made a mistake of letting the world determine everything. But how many of us are the Daniels of this generation who lived in the White House and was, was affecting policy by the way he lived? And Joseph and Moses, right? These are all, and Esther, right? These are all people who were there. And I think some of us watching online 
a call to this area to engage the culture. Because here's the thing, right? I think we made a mistake to think it's all about the presidency, but I think a biggest fight is what's happened locally. Because that's the closest thing to your children. Right? There are people making decisions that are going to affect your children's education. How much do we know about these things? Like, how much do we know about these people that we're, that we're letting into office on a, on a local level? I think some of us are going to be called not just to, to, to be educated, but to, like, be in that field. Like, some of us are going to feel the passion, I believe, from God to say, wait a minute, I need to be in there. Even if you're not the one running, but you have influence. This is what Jesus has done throughout history. Always put people around that can influence these policy makers. You know, I think we, is enough. Listen, part of this is our fault as God's people. We have let this thing slide for too long. When was the last time we, we, we held our local officials accountable? To ask questions. Because we put them in office. And we pay the taxes. Right? Why haven't we heard back from the city? We reached out to them a week ago. Like, this is accountability. Right? They showed up here unannounced every week, and we passed the test every single week, and we're asking you, listen, this is the law. This is what the state says. What do you say back? We just want a resolution. We don't want to fight with you. Why haven't we heard back? There has to be some type of accountability. Right? We live here. We pay for the stuff. Right? And so I, I, I pray that some of you guys are feeling that passion, that burden and passion to say, God, are you calling me to this area? What area are you calling me? I believe God's called all of us to influence a certain area of society. If not, he would have just shipped us up to heaven. But he left us here to bring some type of redemption to the world. Like he, he gets a hold of a man like Chuck, Chuck Colson in the middle of one of the biggest scandals in our nation. He redeems him and starts a prison ministry. Tell me God's not in the business of redemption to change culture. So we must be going, we, we got to, listen, someone said something really powerful. Said, learn, they said, revival begins with learning. He said, go study history. In every revival, there was a group of people who had a hunger and a thirst for education. They wanted more. They wanted to find out more. And think about this. We make time for what's important to us. We're all going to say we don't have time. But if it's important to us, time makes itself. So this must become a priority for us in this day and age. If we're going to make a difference, it's going to impact not just us, but our kids. I'm 42. Like, my mind's already made up about a lot of things. But I have an obligation to my children. That's why I brought them today. I, I told my wife, we're all going to go to church because it's the least we can do at this point. It's to make a statement that we're not just going to stay home and just be okay. Because I love technology, but let's be honest. Church online is not the same. It will never replace physical building, touch, engagement, like power, the Spirit of God falling on this place. We can't let the enemy say, oh, you're fine, you have online. No, no, we want our rights. We want to be open in the house. So I want to end by giving you some resources. Because we have to be equipped. You know, we have a saying, my soul is my responsibility. So all of us have to take responsibility to say, Lord, I need to be equipped. I need to be one of those diligent people who studies, who works hard with my mind. Listen, the first one is actually from our sister church in Smithfield. They started an online Bible school that you can do right from home. 
so you can get a deeper knowledge of God's word. And these are college material classes. Your kids are online, so guess what? Pull up your laptop next to them and say, we're going to school. All of us are going to learn together, right? And then PragerU is a really cool website. And I put this one up there because I know a lot of us struggle with reading, but these are just videos. <laughs> okay. If you can binge watch Netflix, you can watch some videos, right? All these videos are literally five minutes, but they're packed with education. The latest video they just released is about freedom of religion, showing you how much that's being a threat right now. And if, if you think this just affects believers, you're wrong. It affects atheists too. Because if your rights are being taken away, it affects everybody. Right? And so PragerU is all videos, man. It's, it's all videos about the culture, what's happening in our culture right now, and how to see things from a biblical standpoint. Patriot Academy is, is one about this nation. If you, if you love the Constitution, if you love the Bill of Rights, if you want to know how this nation was birthed and how to fight the right fights right now, this is, this is the website to go to. And the last one is the book I just mentioned, How Now Shall We Live? It's a thick book, my, my friends. If you can read any book right now, I, that's the book I would highly recommend. It's a book that will engage your mind and understanding. My God, this thing is bigger than just I thought. It's not just I go to church on Sunday. No, I have a worldview. Right? I know where I come from. I can talk science with those who are, love science. I, I, I can talk politics. I can talk anything. Like it packs everything into this book. But again, by a man who was in the White House, who went to jail and was redeemed by Jesus. So these are some of the resources. But you have to have that drive. Like no one can make you do this. This is a drive. It's a passion that God puts in you to say, man, Lord, I want to do my part. And if we all do it, I'm talking about, listen, people watch us all over the country. If we all do this, like I said, there's a, there's a war for churches all over. But if all of us can play a role in seeing the will of God being done in our nation, can you say amen? amen. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to pray. And we never like to close without giving you the privilege of making Jesus the Lord of your life. Because everything we talk about here, if Jesus is not Lord, then means nothing because it's his lordship that empowers you to want to live a life of righteousness of truth and justice no Jesus himself said I am the way the truth and the life that's a worldview that's no small thing that's not you know I'm a I'm a Sunday savior no he said I'm the way the truth and the life and our calling is to expose the lies so the truth the truth can prevail. So if you don't know Jesus, that's the first prayer I want to pray. And then I want to pray for believers. But first I want to pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, just where you are right now, wherever you're watching from, just say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me my sins. I want to live for you. I want to embrace your salvation. From this day forward, my life is yours, Lord. I want to live in the fullness of your will. And if you are already a believer, can I encourage you right now to pray a prayer of, re of resolve? To say, Lord, I want to be diligent. I want to be a worker who rightly divides the word of truth. I want to fight the good fight. I want to finish the race. I want to be rooted and grounded in your word. God, I, I, I want to know 
the area that you have me in and how you see fit to use me. Lord, I want to leave a mark that my children will be proud of. I want to live a legacy of faith, of wisdom, of courage, of consistency. Lord, I, I want to know that you are in a fire with me and you are purging me, you're cleansing me, you're sanctifying me, you're setting me apart for you. And Father, I refuse to conform. I'm not going to bow my knee to fear, to worry, to people's opinions. Lord, I only bow my knee to you. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I want you to say one day to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. So Spirit of God, come upon your people. Bring fresh courage to your people, Lord. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you are getting a hold of your people all over this nation and you, you're giving us a resolve for learning. God, give us a resolve to be faithful, to be committed, to be devoted. Have your way, Lord. Not just with us, Lord. This is just bigger than us. Have your way with your church in this nation. Have your way in this world. God, I pray that the precedent the Supreme, the Supreme Court just set in New York can spread to the nation right now. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, we pray. Have your way, we pray. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.